Hello and welcome into the SoRare Data Football Strategy Show. I'm Andrew Laird. You can find me as a Lairdino on SoRare. Today, joining me with uh, Sean Newsham, PSU fans too. I'm already messing up after my week off. But today, I decided to come back and try to get Sean to talk about something he would never talk about, which is trying to figure out a way to play this game without spending more money. Sean, good to see you. Oh, and you're muted, man. I'm the one on vac- back on wow. vacation. I, well, I woke up. I, I overslept an alarm today, so I'm like, <laughs> out of it. yeah, you're cut, fresh off his vacation or fresh off. Sorry, his suspension. He comes back and uh, he just drops a topic that I mean, just is is an irrelevant topic when we all we all know the answer to that. Uh, but no, I mean, it's I, it's a good it's a good topic. We it's a good topic. Well, I'll, I'll give him that. So the reason I wanted to talk about this, and before I even get into that, actually. Special thank you, big thank you to Josh Forth for filling in last week. I found last week's show very helpful and entertaining and entertaining, excuse me, and got me to this topic today. And I was less concerned about having Josh on because it had nothing to do with what Josh said, even though it really this whole thing is really about, well, not all about him, but he's the reason I wanted to talk about this. And yeah, it was a great show. And I feel like it was nice to have someone else on. Like I, I don't, whenever I listen back to the show, whenever I do, I just hear us and it's nice to, it was nice to hear another voice. So I think maybe, maybe we'll try to get some other people on just to, um, I feel like you and I know a lot of sharp people and we're not necessarily taking advantage of sharing their sharpness with others, but we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, the reason it all came to this topic today was um, Josh last week describing how he was all set up and then the Zagreb game got postponed and he was dead with with his Zagreb stack. And you were like, well, yeah, obviously you just like buy more players and like fill it in. And it didn't, Josh is actually in a kind of a tougher position because he plays basically at the super rare level. And it's like, Hey, just go get some more super rares. It's like not the easiest thing to do price agnostic in terms of that, that comment. But like, the the whole buy more players is or buy more cards is obviously the solution most of the time and we we all know this that like if we all had a lot more money and you lost a few cards to games being postponed or players getting you know a fifth yellow last weekend and now you're not set up and part of the discussion that you guys had was about how his gallery is like super efficient like he's not that deep he doesn't have a lot of like extra players laying around that he can just like throw into lineups. And I feel like it was worth us discussing kind of what happens if you do have, maybe not even, even if you do have some extra players, but if you don't have extra ETH or cash like laying around and can put it in the game, what are the situations where it's actually worth kind of selling or trading some of the cards that you have that maybe you had planned on for the future in order to help you like immediately. And like, that's sort of where I wanted this conversation to go. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely ways to change things within your gallery and make your gallery make more sense. I, I think that people go overboard with it. Sometimes I saw Haber was here. Haber's one of them. Haber will come in and like sell all 15 key debt pieces he has to get one super rare in. And then he just is, like the next day, he's like, man, I really need like eight of these rares. I'm like, oh shit, you need eight of these rares. So it's like a it's like a fine line that you can go down to like get rid of depth pieces, get rid of pieces that maybe only use so often. Because I think something people struggle with is they're like, oh, this, this card I use two of four game weekends a year or two of four game weekends a month. And well, that's a valuable card. That's like a card that's usable. Cards you want to get rid of are like, all right, I literally never use this card. Or like, I use this card once every three months. Cards that you use frequently are still valuable cards and, and carry the place uh, that they have. Yeah, I, I think it's more the, there will be a point where you have what you think is like the nut lineup. Mm-hmm. And, and you think this a week out. And you look at the matchups and you're like, this this is my week. And it doesn't always work out, but like you need to, you will have an opportunity where you're, you know, everyone's at home. They're all huge favorites. And then you're watching the game the weekend before and you see the guy get his dumb fifth yellow for like taking his shirt off. And he's like, oh, he's suspended next week. And maybe you don't have someone that's that great to put in that lineup. 
at what point do you say like, maybe I do need to sacrifice a few of these cards that I do use just to get like the right piece in this nut lineup that I have, or is that never really worth it? Yeah, it's a, uh, to me, and we've talked about this before, like you and I have talked about this before. The only times I realistically think it makes sense to bring in a new card, and that's that's a, we're talking about like you go out and buy a card specifically for a game week, is one, if you have a chance, if you like legit have a chance to hit a podium, and you're looking at that line, and you're like, I could bring in this card, and this is like the best line that could realistically be made, I, I think I should probably do that. Two, if that card that you're bringing in can be utilized long term in your gallery. Now, also, you can sort of buy it and then resell it after that game weeks, but that that can be risky as well. Um, but like, yeah, the, the, the time you should look at buying cards, like you have a four man group and you're like, wow, I have this hole that really can't be fixed within my lineup and my gallery. And then I if I go buy this card, it's literally pretty much the best line that can be ran out there. And I have a good shot at hitting like a top 10. I, I, that's pretty much when I think is the time you should like go buy a card. Luis just asked, what is long-term on so rare? To me, it would be like going forward. Like if I'm going to be able to use that card that I'm bringing in going forward in lineups, and it's not just going to be like I'm using it this game week and then I'll never use it again. And it'll just sit in my gallery. So if I'm, if I'm looking at like, let's say this midweek coming up, I have, a Galatasaray stack, they have a God matchup. I have four guys that I'm very confident are going to play. And I don't have a forward. And I look at Deuce on Tadish. And I'm like, man, if I bring in Deuce on Tadish, this card is great. And this lineup is unbelievable. Going forward, I can use Deuce on Tadish in key lineups. And that will be a big help for me. So it won't just be wasted on this one week. That's kind of my interpretation of like, a card you should go buy or a card that you can make sense. It doesn't have to just be like a deuce on attach and a key lineup. It could be like, all right, I'm very short at forward and I'm buying a, I don't know, Mario Cardi and pretend a Cardi is not that good. And you're like, well, I'm, we'll be able to use a Cardi every week. Maybe he won't go in my key, key lineup every week, but every week I'll find a place for him in some line. So like maybe this week he'll be in cap 240 rare. This week he'll be in challenger rare pro. Next week, he'll be an all-star rare. And it's just like a card that you will use almost every week, but maybe not in a key line. Those are sort of the ideas that I would have in terms of cards I would want to bring in. And if that situation arises, also, like you realize holes you have within your gallery as you build lineups. As you're building lineups for each game week going into the future, you're like, all right, this is a spot where I'm pretty shallow in. I probably could use some enhancements here if I have the ability to move some pieces out elsewhere, like if you're going into a game week and you have like 15 rare mids that are elite and you just have great rare mids. And then you're looking at your defense and you're trotting out some turd box every week. And then another turd box. And you're like, well, shit, I have 15 great mids. Sometimes it's a good opportunity for you to move out of those mids and move into some defenders to sort of bolster that position instead. So I think you kind of half answered the question. Oh, actually, maybe you answered the question. I didn't phrase it well, but so the, the example of like, yeah, just bring Tadic in. There's there's really never a bad time to bring in Tadic. Correct. And it's it's not, the question isn't, should I bring in Tadic? It's, should I sacrifice other cards to get him? So like the example from last week, when Josh was saying he has two Joseph Misick super rares and he uses them, like he uses them, but last week, last week, this past, this current game week, he couldn't because Zagreb was off. So it was like, what's at what point and what considerations need to be made for Josh to say, I'm going to get rid of one of my Mystic or any other card that's like, maybe Mystic's a bad example with him because that's a very important card, but like still there are cards that are important in your gallery in order to fill these lineups and and you can still fill them with players that you that you will continue to use in the future but it's fundamentally i feel like we constantly are like yeah, yeah just go out and like get that player but for most people who don't sit on eth balances or cash balances or have like tons of depth that is usable to get that is good enough to get good players it's really about sacrificing cards that you have acquired that you had plans for in order to get others 
to save your lineups for this game week or maybe two game weeks. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, people are, the idea here is we're talking about like what you could do in these situations and Haber's giving me shit. Javier's giving me shit. They're saying spend more money. <laughs> That's how we lead into this discussion guys. <laughs> so I think that a thing that people need to do is people need to sacrifice. That is the key word here, right? Sacrifice. If you're looking at your lineups and you have to decide, I need to sell Carlos Gill to bring in Deuce on Tadich. That's a, that's a sacrifice you're having to make because you don't have the funds to go buy cards. You have to make a move. Or maybe you don't have depth and you need to bring in three pieces. So you're bringing in like three pieces that are lower quality than Carlos Gill. And you're like, I need to bring in, I have no depth. So I, I this Carlos Gill card really doesn't get me much out of it because I need more cards. So it's like I can turn Carlos Gill into Hani Mukhtar, Kai Wagner, and Drew EC. I, I don't know what the prices are on this. But so like you can look at it and be like, I can bring in these three pieces instead of this one. Gets me additional value. Still have some solid pieces. Or maybe maybe you need a bunch of depth and you just bring in five pieces that are not the best. But you have to do it. So the way I would look at it is I would look at it in terms of like, this is what my lineups are going to look like if I make this move. This is what they're going to be like on one side. This is what they'll look like on the other. And then I'll have to sit there and try to decide what makes the most sense uh, of those those avenues. And and you have to look out a little bit. Like you have to try to, to look out maybe a month or two months into advance and see like, okay, this is how it's going to affect me. This is how it's going to uh, impact me. I also think the biggest sacrifice that people do not like to make, but it's one that you should be making, you do not have to have a lineup every single game. And it's something that people struggle with. People want to have a lineup every game week because they want to have an investment every game week so that they're entertained. Because again, as we've talked about before, so is very heavy in the entertainment uh, platform area of things. Like that's why you play. Like even if you want to win, like you're, it's still entertainment. Like you want to win. So you want sure. to get to advance. A lot of the time people just buy cards for game weeks and you just don't have to do that. Especially like in situations like the prize pools are typically not that great. A lot of the time card weeks that people want to bring in a card and uh, buy for that individual game week, they're buying for a lineup that's not very good to begin with. And in that situation, you should just not invest funds into that game week because when you do that and you do that every game, like let's say you invest 0.05 ETH every single game week. It adds up quickly. You're gonna you you're saying here that you don't have funds. Well, the reason you don't have funds is because you probably do stuff like that. So I think one of the best sacrifices you can make is just looking at a line, being like, well, it's not that great this game week. I'm not gonna buy a card to replace it. I'm instead gonna focus going forward on on cards that make more sense longer term. Or I'm gonna be like, I don't have cards that make sense for this game week. I'm gonna look uh, at how I can enhance myself in the future and not worry about this. So that's exactly where I was heading. So I'm glad you you got there because the way I was thinking of it and the way that, I mean, I have some Zagreb cards that I couldn't use this weekend and apparently next weekend also like we're getting, well, who knows what that one will end up being, but the, it, it felt like the conversation never got there of like, maybe you just don't play them this week. And I think the way that we, the way that I look at it, that I initially looked at it was like, man, you're like losing utility with these cards, but postponed games, don't mean you're losing utility. Now you might, and and there are situations where, you know, we have a team that is supposed to play on the weekend. This is basically what happened with the K League when they changed the deadline and all of this stuff that you were like, well, if I had my goalie that was supposed to be on the weekend, now they're midweek. It's not just that I'm losing one card. It's like, maybe I don't have a goalie now for the weekend. And so I'm technically losing utility. But the way that, like, I think Josh runs, well, he doesn't, well, the whole conversation with how he doesn't run like full stacks that much anymore. But like, if you had like the full Zagreb stack and you lost the Zagreb game this weekend, at some point they are going to play that game. My guess is it be, it's like a midweek. And now you're like, hey, you actually have utility in that midweek. The problem is, is if you don't have the, like, I don't have five Zagreb, like a five player Zagreb stack. So it could be a possibility that they play a midweek and I don't have like a goalie or someone to make a lineup. But we did like my initial thought was immediately like, oh, you're like losing utility. 
And I kind of basically had to like remind myself that no, there, there will be a game. Like they just, it's just going to happen at a different time. And yeah, sometimes you just, you just don't play the lineup. Like you just don't play one. Yeah. And I, I think most people have other cards. It's not like you're going to, you're losing everything. And so I think that the, that was just sort of the important thing that I wanted to get to that there are some times where, and, and I feel like a lot of times when people buy cards for game weeks, it's just to have a lineup. It's actually not because it's really good. And they're like, I don't want to lose these matchups. You know, you have whoever you have in your lineup and they're all home against like whoever the bottom dwellers, but usually it's just like, I just need a card for lineup. And that's where the mistakes like really happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely a key with things is that's how things happen. Also, like you talked about, like if your game gets postponed and you have three guys in that one team and it gets postponed to a random midweek where there's no there's no games, you're just kind of uh, boned a little bit in terms of your production. That's what Haber brings up. He says people overlook uh, stacking and that's why stacking is a positive. Like if you have five guys on one team and you have a full lineup in one team, when that team plays, you have a full lineup in theory, obviously could be rotation, could be injuries, but in theory, you have a full team. So Javier asked a question, and I think that this is a good question that we can go over based on this. So he, he says he has a serious gameplay question. Should he sell Zaha and Angelino Rares to buy Hugo Kuypers? These last few game weeks, my forwards have been utterly useless with Zaha not playing. Also, I have against that. I think that's definitely something that fits into what we're discussing here. Um, I think you need to look at it and you need to decide how much more important would it be for me to have a, a Kuypers that matches up with my gank stack? Do I think I'm selling the Zaha and Angelinos at highs because um, or lows and vice versa on Kuypers? Is Kuypers price high or low to where it comparatively should or could be? That's something I think people struggle with as well. Lots of people just jam in guys that are in form. People love guys that are in form. And I think that's just the worst way you can go about it. Um, I think that you can buy guys that are out of form, maybe that are going to be coming into form in theory. That makes sense. I don't want to use any of these guys as an example, but like Kuypers, he's someone that's obviously really hot, but he fits great with a gang stack or with a gang stack. Also, he could leave. Uh, there has been rumors about his transfer, uh, which would obviously, I, I don't really see a positive transfer for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just don't like, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like a, a transfer would make much sense. So I think you need to sit down. This is where planning and people make mistakes when they just rush into something. They're just like, I want Kuypers. I'm going to get rid of these guys. And that's when people make mistakes and set themselves back to gallery. Because one of the biggest things you can do, and people also underestimate this, is if you are someone that does not have the ability to put funds in, or you do not have that ETH or cash balance sitting there like Laird talked about, and you rush into something and make a mistake and it costs you 0.4 ETH because you just did something without thinking about it, and then it, it ends up being a bad decision, then you have even less funds to spend. So I think people compound their issues of not having the ability to go buy new cards. They compound them by making bad trades or bad decisions that then give them even less funds to go buy new cards with. I think that that point is actually really important that the number of people who are willing to trade low, trade away their cards at low points, and to acquire cards that are highs just happens way too much. And like you said, everybody like loves chasing really good scores. And so the, the Angelino and Zaha combination is really interesting because nobody, nobody bought them just for the first three games of the season, right? Like you bought them because you think Galatasaray will be great all season and you think they will be good. And so they've struggled. And now everyone's like, well, I'm out. I don't want these guys anymore. And it's like, you the, you bought these guys for the long-term. Yes. And I, I will consider long-term as this season. Yes. Because, again, people think that Galatasaray is going to be awesome. And yeah. so if you are trading them now, you're trading them now because you're like, I don't like these guys anymore. They're not any good. Everyone else thinks that too. Like they're not going to give you any decent value for cards they think are not that good. And so I feel like we've talked about this so many times. You're just digging yourself deeper. And then you're get you're also reducing your depth. 
because now you're trading two cards for two usable cards that should be usable throughout the season for one card, particularly in this example, for a guy who could transfer and just be dead anyway. But it just feels like there are like those are the situations that I think people end up like if Galatasaray didn't have a game this weekend or mid, uh, they played this midweek, right? Yeah. So it's theoretically you're, it's helped a little bit, those guys specifically, because people like, I mean, they're going to theoretically should smash this game week. And so people want to buy them, but it's just such a short term plan for something that you, like you turned your long-term plan into a short-term fix. Yeah. And there's just really no reason for it yet. Yeah. Uh, looking for food brings up a good example. I know you've done this too. Uh, he has made a spreadsheet, which has saved him from rushing a fair few times in terms of making decisions that would be detrimental. I think it's a really good help if you guys can't do things with just looking at things and, and you need to see things visually with a spreadsheet. I think it can help. Like for me, I guess I just do it off of recall and like the best way for me to understand where holes are is I'm building lineups every week. And I don't really care if I have holes in certain lineups. So like if I have a U23 rare lineup that has a hole, I don't really care. But if I'm sitting there and I'm building lineup and I'm like, oh man, this U23 rare pro lineup has just this shitter every week in the defender spot. And I'm just like, well, this is, this is ugly. And it's like every week I have the same issue. I'm like, all right, this is a situation where I probably need to go buy one or two people in this situation. And I can sort of decipher if I have holes um, in these roles that I can go and, and look at and, and buy things. But I think if you don't know exactly what you're doing or you need to see things visually, building out a spreadsheet that helps give you an indication of where you are strong at, where you're weak at is, is a positive. Yeah, there are definitely a bunch of ways to do it. Scosmo here saying a Miro board. I talked to Scosmo about this previously. Uh, and so one of the methods, one of the methods that I know that others do, I'm pretty sure NEP does. I mean, I know NEP does this. And it's something that you and I think is insane, but I, I did it recently. I couldn't actually go through with it because I, well, I'll get to that. But he goes like 10 weeks out in the lineup builder. And he's like, here's where, what I can do. Now, I, there are two, two issues that I had with it. One is the cat modes get completely killed. And so if you're somebody who does like prioritize the cat mode and like, I tried to prioritize super rare 240 because that ether cash is important to me. And you can't do that weeks out because L15s change and it just takes one change for like the lineup to not fit. And then you're just basically blowing it all up. But if you at least do it for your regional competitions and all-star U23, you can see the holes and you can see game weeks where you can put, make a lineup and all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're act, like all of these guys have good matchups. And that's when you can start to at least figure out, or you have four guys with really good matchups and it gives you time to think maybe I can, maybe I can make something better from this and it's four weeks out. So it's not like everybody's going to it. I'll say that the more that we, do stuff on limited time only. The The number of people who do not look ahead is astonishing. Yeah. Like not at all. And so it, you only have to look two game weeks ahead and you are ahead of most people. If you can do it four weeks, like you will get prices that are so much better than you will in four weeks if a player is in the right situation. And obviously, particularly this time of year, transfers are can always happen and that can ruin your plans. Somebody gets hurt. But the... I underestimated the looking ahead in the lineup builder and it, I think it's actually the best tool in terms of being able to figure out at least what your, let's say all-star rare pro is your priority lineup every week. Just go make your all-star rare pro lineup 10 weeks out. And even if, I mean, obviously you're not specifically setting them so you can make changes, but it does give you an opportunity to be like, okay, this game week in, I don't even know what we're up to now. Three, 97 like in, in 405 i have no like all of my super rares are are dead or i only have like one good super and it's like all right from now until 405 is there somebody that you can acquire that will make those lineups better or do you just have to focus on rare competitions in that game week and how do you make your best rare lineups in that game week and so 
I think that part is really helpful, especially because if you are somebody who does not have ETH lying around, it's easier to take from now until game week 405 to get a card as opposed to now until tomorrow. And then you that's when you start making the bad decisions. Yeah, even from an investment standpoint, flipping perspective, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the key spot that is like the easiest flip. If you have a U23 goalie in a midweek or like could go buy one like this upcoming midweek the, here, I, the, I know there's three because I look because I always look to know how many there are to know how important it is to have a lineup because if it's if there's very minimal people, then I'm not as worried. So for this upcoming game week, there is three goalies, Fructal, Title, and someone else. I'm just going to show how the easiest way to figure out who they are. Yeah. So if you go to game week on Sora Data and the pick scores, uh, I usually pick limited because it feels like limited has the most cards, although I guess there are some that don't. I guess I'll go rare. If you just go to U23 rare and go by goalie and you can see, looks like we have four. Yeah. Does, does Tangvik have cards? Uh, he has rares. Oh yeah. Tangvik has cards. Yep. Okay. One super rare. Okay. So he must be a new starter. Many. Yeah. So he must be a new starter. Like he just started to go, go back to his player pick. He just started this weekend. So like he's a guy that it was not starting until just now. So like this, and I have no idea. I don't know anything about this guy. So, yeah. you know, do your own research and all that stuff. So let's call it three. And Alex said that Tangvik won't start. He just sort of got a spot start. Oh, okay, great. Oh, that's, oh, that's the Hanson. Oh, is that Rosenberg? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Let's just, uh, you know, pick him on the bench. To there help, you go. Know. Anyway. So yeah, three. Sherpin, Fructil, and Heidel. Yes. That's wild. That's it. Yes. But that, that's what's like, if you have, I would guess if we go to these three guys, if we go to Sherpin, Fruitful, and Heidel, if we go to them like tomorrow, there's a good shot that their prices have gone up from like where they were last week. Um, because typically sure people will time. buy one of these cards over. Yeah. So like, as you see here, like Sherpin over the last month has gone up and he's at his price or high point now. That, and, that's Bruco. Sherpin doesn't have any limiteds. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's rare, right? This is rare, right? Yeah, here, so, here. so anyways, he's gone up because people are looking to get a U23 goalie in for this upcoming midweek. Um, so it's... That's that's like a investment situation that happens typically. But anyways, yeah. I, I also assume that game week 405 is an international break, and that's why you do not have any players. For which one? 405. Uh, there's an international oh, I, I, was, I was just throwing that out. I didn't. Oh, okay. I thought you said you didn't Sorry. have it. But yeah, so I, I think there's lots of ways you can do stuff like that. You can sit there and decide whether or not to sort of move some depth into other areas. But yeah, like to me, I, I don't like, you need to be able to, Jonathan has said that, yes, it is an international game week. So I was correct. Look at that, Laird. And I haven't even looked ahead, and I know that. See? I'm just just crushing it. But uh, it's a situation where I think that people need to understand you need depth. And that's, that's a discussion we've always had, right? Like, people very, very rarely respect depth in the way that they probably should uh, because they just want good players, and they don't want guys that are um, – that are maybe lower end guys, but they can come and be very important in these upcoming game weeks uh, going forward. Or just in general, like cat modes, like cat modes having guys that are lower quality players is very important, especially if you want to compete in those uh, categories, which some people obviously do. Um, there's definitely some spots to do it uh, more so than others, but people do care about them to some extent. I want to just hit up this question from Thomas. It said, can we have a tool for charting a watch list, please? This would make possible the visible overall price changes in a watch list. So this is possible. Uh, this is a one that I did for limited time only recently. But if you just go to the prices tab, um, you can see all of the players within the within that watch list. Look at that. Is that growth over the last three months? Look at you. Wow. But also you can just pick any player in the in the watch list and it'll show you the trend. So I assume that's what you're referring to. Thomas, but there it is. 
Yeah, I also back to your discussion, Line of Builder is just such a great tool. Line of Builder is easily the best tool Sower Data provides uh, because you cannot do any of this stuff on Sower because they don't let you for whatever reason. It's really weird. Um, but the ability to go look in the future and look at different game weeks is huge. The ability to scout out like where you think good matchups are going to be is huge. Um, so the Line of Builder, like when I hear people don't use Line of Builder, like Fripp, I think, said he recently he doesn't use Line of Builder. I was like mind blown. Yeah, like, you not use lineup builder. I do not know what you're doing. Like, I, I get it if you have one lineup or two lineups, maybe like not using line builder. I get it. Like, you don't need to. You know, you have very few cards. But if you have like, I don't know, hundred cards, fifty cards, and you're not using line builder, I do not know how you're getting by. Just like from an organizational standpoint. Yeah. Like that's, the, that's one blows me away. Blows my mind. So yeah. Fripp, Fripp, if he's here, he 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 needs to start using it because. Juju's caught my slip up that I'm now going to refer to as a joke that you can see the trend because I used Trent Alexander Arnold in that trend thing. Yeah, but I didn't... yeah, that wasn't meant. Unfortunately, not on purpose. Haber said, "What do we think of Zora's latest tweet?" Means what did he say? I don't know. I actually I don't even want to know. I, I can't keep up with it. <sighs> Gotta go uh, check it out now, though. Yeah, Ali said, can we have a tool in the collection that shows total cost, current value, and value of rewards won by all players in the collection? I believe that is all in the plans, but we it's a pretty significant job. And so we're working on it. So Zura's tweet is a dog with eyes with a soccer ball and then says soon. So I, I'm going to be honest, whenever this type of shit happens, I do not look at it. By the way, did you watch my show with Maxime and notice that I did not drop any swear words whatsoever and he dropped an F-bomb while you were gone, Larry? Sean, I'm going to be honest. It's the only show I haven't listened to yet. Wow. The disrespect. <laughs> I cannot believe that. We'll have to let Maxime know. Uh, well, I actually listened to his show. But not. So that, what the... Yeah. So that is Zura's tweet. Why do they do this? I don't know. I, I don't care about stuff like this. Like, I, it just doesn't. I don't care. It's like when they used to drop other hints and stuff. And I'm like, I just don't care. I never understood any of them. Uh, Rebel said dark theme on story data. Uh, we've said this before, but all new pages that we put out will be in dark mode. And then we have to go back and change the others. It's a an absurdly significant project that yeah, we'll get there. New, They're not a hundred features. Them, so. New features will will have both, but mm -hmm. old features takes a while to get back. But that also is why like new features may take longer to come out than they previously would have, because we, instead of creating one uh, design and template, you have to create multiple. Yeah. Uh, Juju said it's going to be so rare. Go walking the dog and catching so rare cards in the wild. Yeah, it's definitely. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like Pokemon Go. Imagine Sawyer so creating a game where you had to go outside. That couldn't couldn't be me. You selling that gallery show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely would have to be be uh, removed from the platform in that situation. The final straw. Yeah, that, uh, that would that would break the camel's back. We can't be going outside. Like that's just a naw. Yeah, uh, Chani's asking about Maxime and Andy clashing. I'm going to talk about that later in the week. I don't think this is the. Uh, I didn't see that. Was it was it entertaining? I heard about it. it. So not a, what made it more entertaining was Maxime on Friday during office hours said that he, how did he put it? He watched back the, like when they were talking about it and he said, Andy looked and acted like a disappointed dad because he was so <laughs> disappointed how Maxime uh, arg or argued. So the, yeah, I would no, never say this publicly, but I agreed with Andy. Wasn't he disrespect, wasn't Maxime disrespecting Marvin? It wasn't even that part, but he did absolutely disrespect Marvin. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I actually didn't care about Marvin. There was a whole thing about goalies being too expensive. And I think it it started with the whole Pap winning Matt Ryan and for being first in challenger rare pro. And then it's like goalies are overvalued or they're too expensive. And Andy kind of sides with the whole you have to pay to buy these cards and goalies are part of the game and that's it. 
Um, he also said, yeah, that MLS is less balanced than the Europe Top five leagues, which is absurd. And I think he started to walk that back. So okay. he, knows. he knows. Yeah, that one. He, so Maxime, I guess this was, this is turning into the place of it. Maxime didn't make the comment that it was not, it's not that easy to debate somebody in your second language. And as somebody who has no second language, I just can't fathom trying True. to have an argument about it. So True. But yeah, great show. Highly recommend. And don't worry, I'm catching up on the shows. I'll catch up on you and Maxime soon. But I did hear that. Um, yeah, you said you kept it clean. So I trusted you on that. See? Yeah. Also, thank you for uh, the extra the extra work last week while I was on the beach. Got to pick up for you while you're sitting on the beach chilling. I appreciate that. I yep. appreciate it. Somebody's got to go outside. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If, if I if I cannot go outside and have to pick up more responsibilities, that's, uh, yeah, I got to take that. That's a no-brainer. Right. I'll go outside so you have a reason to stay inside. Anyway. So do you find that... I mean, I actually would like to get back to this topic because it, it inevitably affects me much more than it affects you. The, the idea of selling of selling cards that like you may have plans for later in order to help you now, like the, the whole thing with Haber selling like 12 rare or trading 12 rares for like one super rare. It does feel like a lot of our conversations inevitably get to, you just need better cards and turning 12 rares that are helpful with depth, but are not priority cards in your lineup, in your gallery to acquire like a super rare that you could use more of. What, at what point is it bad to do that move? Because I, I feel like a lot of our advice to people inevitably is just get better cards. Like the goal for all of us is to turn our not so great cards into good cards and then our good cards into a great card. And you're not doing that. It's not like you're moving 10 shitty cards into 10 good cards. It's like usually 10 to two or 10 to one. And so when does it, or at least what do people need to think about when they think that it's, oh, I never use these cards and let me turn them into something good. I mean, I think one of the keys is to look at things in a objective way when looking at your cards, but you need to, people buy cards at high value all the time. And then like, well, they have one bad game. Like, I'm out. I'm out. This guy sucks. And it goes to what you're talking about with Angelino. Like if you're sitting there and you bought Angelino a month ago and he's had one bad game and then picked up a little injury and hasn't played and you're like, well, I'm out, I'm out. Well, what has really changed from when you like Angelino to now you don't like Angelino? Now, now counter to that is let's say you have legitimate reasons why you now do not like Angelino compared to how you I, – I will give an example on that. I, as you know, was a big fan of Sven Mijnons going into this season. I yep. was like, this is a really good card to have. I think he's going to move back into the Reinders role. He should be better than he was. Good shot he has sets. After two games, I do not love what I've seen from him. I've seen him look not great in his role. I've seen him not really take sets. It's been almost all Sugawara. And I've got a bit of info that I now maybe do not like Mijnon as much as I did previously. So maybe he's a situation where I look at him and I'm like, all right, well, I paid 0.9 ETH for him. I can get 0.75. I think I should probably take that because I think it's a good move to get out of. On the other side, if I look at Angelino, I'm like, I paid 0.3 for Angelino. I could get 0.6 for him. But it's like, I like that card for these reasons. I haven't seen these reasons play out yet because they it just hasn't been fully relevant yet what I'm seeing with stuff. I'm not going to sell him at the low. So I think what people need to do is like, you should not always buy guys at their high point. If you're always buying guys at the high point, you're just not doing things correctly. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy guys at their high point sometime. If you look at a card and you're like, oh, Carlos Gill's at his highest value, but he just smacks hundreds every week. And you're like, I really could use that. Yeah, sometimes you have to go buy that card. But you shouldn't buy every card who's just in form. At, at a, like, I'm going to assume, here's a good example. And again, this is someone we love, but the Lord has just, he's averaging his L3 like 98. Like that's, his, that's like his L3. And 
yeah, so like as you see here, his price actually his price hasn't really gone up. I guess it's gone up from where it was like a month ago, but it's it's not really gone up that much. But yeah, his auction, his current auction is 0.33, which would be the highest sale in let's see, in ETH terms. That's his highest sale since I'm still going back since like three days ago. ago. Three days. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. So, but before that, it was like six months ago. Yes. So no, it was six days. If you look at it and you're like, well, this guy is the greatest. I'm going to go buy him. Okay, that's fine. But then like, when he doesn't score against Ghent in next week, I'm, I'm going to give him, I'm just going to sit, pretend he's going to score against Mullenbeek because they don't look that good. But let's say he doesn't score away against Ghent. And then you're like, well, I'm selling him. Didn't score a goal. Didn't keep up 100 average that he's, that he's got. Oh, that's not going to cut the job. Yeah, you see his limiteds have gone up. Quite substantially over the last uh the last like four days but that's because yeah. he's strung another game together and he, like from now to where he was august 1st he's gone up like a hundred percent so if you're buying him at this current price point and then he doesn't score a goal against gen don't just go sell him in that situation you should have thought more about buying him to begin with if that's if that's your new uh view on things yeah, Tucker I do asked, think. Do I mow my own lawn? Absolutely not. Um, I did. I did the first year I moved into my house and realized it sucked horrendously, and just I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. The I just want to clarify Haber's clarification. We were not talking about you. Yeah, we with were. Angelino. Someone else mentioned yeah. it earlier. Um, so yeah, the I don't know if. Well, I guess obviously Vanakin is a good example here because we see, at least on the limited side, his price rises a bit. It's funny that it doesn't, he's one of those cards that I feel like should have, I guess that volume is pretty good, but like he's got 312 rare cards. Like there are very few players who have been minted as much as, as the Lord. So I guess that's why we do see it. But the, it does feel like the knee jerk reaction to performances early season also happen when players start with tougher matchups. And so, you know, if you buy a player because you're like, he's going to have a really good season and then they start off slowly because they just happen, the way the schedule works, they have bad matchups at the beginning of the year and they're struggling and everyone's like, well, this guy is actually terrible. I was wrong about this. And then they sell out at least those cards. And I think it's important to remember that A, it's such a short-term view, like, what just happened is not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in the future. And those hard games are out of the way. Like I was getting all fired up about, well, actually I wasn't at all, but with this Alexander Maxim red card this weekend, obviously he misses a, a game next, uh, next weekend, but I wasn't expecting much away to Galatasaray to start the season. So, and now he doesn't have that game anymore. Yeah. So I'm not going to just like panic sell because of that. Jace just said to look at Hatate. Hatate could be a good example because Hatate did not play uh, in the first week. So I'm assuming his uh, price sort of tanked off of that a bit. Yeah, like he's gone down. But like, go look at his scoring. Uh, yeah, like look, Hatate has gone down 75% in limiteds, mainly just because he didn't play week one. That was That was why he went down. And he did not play week two. Now, granted, I also don't think Hatate should have been selling probably for what he, he should have, what he was. But, yeah, so Roland brings up that limited managers are way more reactionary. Totally. Than higher totally. 100%. Limited. And part of that's the price point. Like, you can get in and out of cars, and it's not super expensive. However, you look at it, and the actual difference between what you paid versus what you could have paid is uh, way, way less. So, it's... Uh, so Javier brings up but even for rare, like, yeah, it's gone down a substantial amount, 25%. So Javier brings up that his problem with DFS and sober has always been that he can't tell if his process is bad or if he's just running bad. I think that is one of the most difficult things to do in sober and DFS is actually being able to tell if what you're doing is, and, and, and to be fair, there isn't like, it's, there's lots of gray area too, right? Like there's a, what you're doing is okay, but it could be way better as well within the thing. So like your, your process could be fine, but it 
could be way improved upon as well. So like, there's not just a good or bad. There's a, it's okay. It's decent. It's, it's not that good. And then there's, so like, there's lots of different parts that it falls into. And I think the best way to sort of look at it is you, you really have to put in the time when researching it to decide. And that's like one of the keys. If you do not have funds to just go buy new cards frequently because of whatever reason uh, that you have for that, you need to put in thought before you enact on whatever plan you're going to enact on to make sure that you get the most bang out of your buck. And obviously like if you have a gallery, you have restraints within that gallery that you sort of have to match those, those plans with. So I think that getting out of certain packs of cards and moving into other packs of cards, depending on like what your parameters are, does make sense. I will say that the, the process review is much easier in DFS because mm -hmm. everyone has the same player base and you can see what winning people did. It's not helpful for me to like look at your lineup, your SO5 lineups to help me figure out if my process is right because our galleries are just so different. So it's a lot harder. That doesn't mean that you can't figure out if your process is, is good or not. And I think that that might be the single most important skill when it comes to SoRare is understanding if your process is good or not. And it's not something that's easily learned, but it takes time to figure out what process, what processes do work. And if you are doing that, why they're not working. And sometimes guys just have bad games. The like everyone's, who was it? It might've been a NEP stream recently. He was talking about Fernando Goriaran. And Goriran had this run that was just, it wasn't good. He was, he had like 10, it felt like 10 straight games where he scored like 45. And Nep like looked into every single game and in like what felt like seven of the 10, he had either like multiple big chances missed or big chances created. And he's like, if any of those get converted, everything changed. Yeah. And so the process of playing him was right in those situations. It's just sometimes the ball doesn't go in the, in the back of the net and yeah. that doesn't mean it was like a bad decision. It just, it didn't work out. Yeah. Well, and, and margins, especially in SO5 are super thin. Like yeah. I had Douglas Santos yesterday put up 53. Okay. He had a uh, assist off the crossbar. He had an assist saved off the line. And then he picked up a yellow where it was like, a close challenge to where he could have made the tackle. So like the, just, just this, right? The difference between a tackle one and a tackle lost in a yellow card is like 13 points. And it's usually like this thin, like you're yeah. talking about like he missed it by an inch or he got it or the ref screwed up the call and, and got it wrong. But yeah, cause you're talking like a, a tackle one is four and a half points plus it's beneficial for bonuses a tackle loss that is a yellow card is worth seven points because it's a uh, tackle or it's a dual loss to Falcon and a uh, yellow card. So yeah. you're talking 11 and a half points purely on those stats. Then it also impacts the bonuses as well. And you're talking 12, 13 points worth of equity in that one decision in a game. Well, when most players don't even have a 12-point AA, yeah. <laughs> that is a tremendous difference in what they score on a game. I mean, a great example, too, is like Tadich yesterday. Tadich had a penalty. The difference between missing and making that penalty because it was on his second decisive, even though it was his second decisive, not even his first one, the difference is 17 points. Or it's even more. Is it more than no, that? it's more. Yeah. It's, it's, no, well, it depends it's if it was saved or... Yeah. It's 20. Yeah, so the difference in that is 20 points. So the difference between Tadish having a 75 yesterday and a 95 was him missing a penalty. So, like, the margins can be razor thin on things. And, yeah, like, you have a guy and the guy created. Like, that's one of my favorite things. That's why I always like Carlos Gill. That's why whenever Carlos Gill goes through a bad stretch, and I'm just like, okay, you guys are all dumb because everyone is doubting the GOAT. And you look at it, and it's like, this dude had eight chances created, five big chances created, and three shots on goal last game, and he had a big, big chance miss, and he put up 60. And he had all of that and put up 60. It's like, 
someday one of those is going to go in the back of the net. And when that yeah. happens, you get 90. So uh, that's a, it's it just, there's, there's definitely things you can look into within your players and, and look at from an objectively non-biased perspective and be like, all right, this play was pretty good or this play was not very good. And a lot of it comes from a, I would say offensive AA perspective. If you look and your guy had like eight chances created and four big chances created and no decisive, that's not likely going to happen all the time. Like likely one of those will go in at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The Roland kind of sums this up. Well, it takes time to understand and people are just not patient enough. I feel like it probably takes six months to a year to analyze if your process is correct or not. This actually, that pushes me back to the, the DFS thing that I assume it was Jordan Cooper who said it once to me, but he was like, theoretically you need like hundreds or thousands of results to really have enough of a sample size to know how your process, yeah. whether your process is good or not. And that's why NFL is so tough because there are just so few slates that yeah. theoretically it would take a century to get enough, enough results for you to, to analyze them. We don't have that in Sawyer either. I mean, there are tons of game weeks, like every single one is pretty much different. It's easier to know if your process is bad as opposed to good. Like it's easy to see if you messed up immediately yeah. or not even messed up. If your process is wrong, you're always splitting your goalie and defender and you're just like never pairing them together and you don't understand why. Like that's bad process. Yes. But playing Tadic in your best lineup and he happened to miss two big chances, although Haber's convinced one's going to be taken away meaning outside of the penalty. Yeah, he but, told me one was a mistake. Yeah. That's what he told me too. Opta Haber hopefully uh, fixes yeah. that. But anyway, it just takes time. But I don't think anybody ever really goes back and looks at their results of like, I think people look at it and say, I mean, I did it. I did a whole show about it. Like you rabbit hunt. And, oh, if I'd only played this guy here. And if, if you really think of it and you go back to Thursday and you're like, was there any moment on Thursday that you would have actually played that card there? And you're like, no, I would never do that. It's like, well, then your process is not bad. And results are obviously going to sway how we feel, but everybody really should just go back and review their process. Yeah. Be like, am I building in the, in the best way for my gallery? Yeah. So Adri just asked what we think of Luis Diaz from Liverpool. Haber said that we do not uh, give opinions for different players. Uh, so I, I think that we will use this as an example to discuss uh, situations as well. People react to matchups that suck ass so much. Like, guys, you, and you used your example with Alexander Maxim. You know how much Laird gives a shit about his Alexander Maxim card this weekend? Zero. Zero. He's expecting absolutely nothing from it. But people are people think, like, big games matter. Big games don't matter at all. The games that matter are the games against the turd boxes. If I have PSV guys and they're up at home against Camber, that's a line if I care about. If they're away at IX, I don't care about that game at all because that game's irrelevant to me because I'm never going to be playing them in good lineups in that game in theory. Or like if I have Liverpool guys and Liverpool played Chelsea this week and Liverpool was away to Chelsea. I don't really care about what the result was in the Liverpool game against Chelsea because that game's not a game where they're going to be in my good lineups. Like, yeah, sure. Am I going to play some of the guys? Like I played Trent Alexander-Arnold in the line and he sucked. Fine, fine. Like I, that is not relevant. I'm not looking at Trent Alexander-Arnold from this weekend and being like, oh man, Trent Alexander-Arnold, that was an awful buy. I need to go sell him because he sucks now. Or vice versa. I'm not like, nothing has changed in my opinion. Yeah. So Daniel Cooper said Liverpool at home next week against Bournemouth. All right. Now if Trent Alexander-Arnold puts up 20 points at home against Bournemouth, then I maybe need to, to relook at things and, and worry a bit more. If, if he's away against Man City, I don't care because that game just doesn't really matter. So like part of why you're buying players too, and this is why obviously buying players on better teams is, is more important, is as much as it would be cool if it was Sober was like impacted by like big games and like Real Madrid against Barca was like extra points and like you really care about it. You don't care about those games at all. You care about the games where they play the shit bags in the league and, and can – just destroy them. That, those are the games that are really impactful. Right. Like nobody ever bought Luis Diaz to play him away to Chelsea. Yeah. Like you might play him 
in, in a lineup. Like if I had Luis Diaz, I might play him in a lineup, but I'm not sitting there like, okay, Luis Diaz, baby, against Chelsea, gas three, champ three, fire him up. Uh, I don't know. Luis Diaz, though, back to the question for Adri. I think he's just like most of the Chelsea players where he's like fine and nothing special. Uh, the issue for all the Chelsea guys that's been the case for a couple years is they just don't really pop. They don't really have upside. And I don't think that is any difference for Luis Diaz. Like, I mean, we have a pretty good sample. Luis Diaz has now started 30 games at Chelsea. And in those 30 games, or Liverpool, I'm sorry. In those 30 games, he's cracked 80 like three times and he's never cracked 90. So like we have decent sample with Luis Diaz and I don't really see it changing much because I don't really see them super improving. So I think he's a card that's okay. Like you could use him in some spots and other spots you're not going to be interested and even when you play him you're never really going to hit these super high end because in 30 games he has 16 decisives a couple of the games with multiple decisives and he's just never really smashed out hundreds or anything so uh but that's my that's like that's been my interpretation with Salah too over the over the last few years is like he just doesn't really have that peak upside that you're you're really like salivating for because that's what you need to really do well anymore in the game is you need those guys that are going to produce monster games. And I'm not saying they can't get one. Like Salah has hundreds and 99s in his logs. Like it's definitely a reasonable possibility, but it's just not going to be as frequent as some other players. Yeah. Like this is the score chart for Luis Diaz at Liverpool in starts. Yeah. And he's hit 85 twice and never higher than that. In fact, he's been over 80 just one other time. Yeah. And I'm guessing his Porto stats were nicer. Yeah. There we go. Like, this is not happening again. I no. Don't think. No, I mean, he's, he's a three or four point better player with with Porto than what he what he is here. But that's not to say he can't go out there and put up 100 sometimes. It's it's definitely possible, but it's, it's less likely. You're And you're going to have less spots where it's going to be an appealing play. Right. Like, the amazingly, is this... AA exactly the same? Oh, 9.7 versus 9.8, which is impressive. I actually was expecting his AA to be higher at Porto. Same. But as you can see, it's not. But Liverpool, like, I don't think he gets as many decisives at Liverpool. Yeah. Which sounds crazy because Liverpool is theoretically one of the better teams in the Prem. But, like, Porto Porto kills people. Yeah. It's like, it's like why we bashed on players like Darwin Nunez. And Darwin Nunez just isn't that good at Liverpool. Like, in order to be the player that he was at Benfica, he needs to score a shitload more goals. And it's just not realistic that he's going to score. Like when he was at in starts at Benfica, he had 48 decisives and 54 starts. So he averaged almost a decisive a game. At Liverpool, he is average, he has 13 decisives in 24 games. Still a reasonable rate, but it's nowhere Actually, near, yeah, it's nowhere near the 90% rate he had when he was at uh, Benfica. And that's why when you look at Darwin Nunez, in 24 starts at Liverpool, he has one game over 76. And, like, you just look at it and you're just like, this just isn't going to cut it as a card, realistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. German brings up Liverpool should be better. That's fair. Liverpool can be better, but I don't really think it – impacts these guys tons like i don't think they're going to score a boatload of goals that they would have elsewhere and that's kind of what they need because their aa isn't good like as you see darwin nunez at liverpool his aa is four uh and even at benfica though his aa was six so it wasn't like it was like he was a 15 aa player at, at benfica no he just he scored more goals uh and i don't think that you can expect him at liverpool to put up 30 plus goals in a season I used to do season-long projections for the Premier League, and I used to get a lot of shit for them because everybody would tell me my goal projections were too low. And I think people always think of it as like an individual thing. And we're like, oh, how many goals could Salah score? And you're like, 25. How about Diaz? 20. Darwin? 22. And all you like start adding it up, and you're like, Liverpool's not going to score 240 goals this year. And everyone was like, oh, okay. And it's like, well find the number and then work your way down. Yeah. And then that's when your expectations start to become, start to make more sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, here is like, all right. Last year's premier league season, Liverpool scored 
75 goals. The year before, they scored 94. So, like, let's say they score, like, let's say they hit in the middle at 85. And then you start breaking it down and you give, like, 10 goals to center backs. All right, you're at 75. You give 10 goals to Trent and Robertson and, like, fullbacks. So, like, all right, you're at 65. Give, like, 10, give 15 goals to midfielders. All right, you're at 50. Then you have... Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunez, Sala, Jota, Jota yeah. everyone. And all of a sudden, you're like, there's there's, there's not 100 goals to be scored no. by these guys. There, there's a minimal amount of goals to be scored by these guys. So I, I think that's something that uh, definitely can be looked at by people. Yeah, it's just like fundamentally, you have to put it in perspective. And even if they're much better, you still need to parse out all of the goals. And... Also, it doesn't matter. So Haber just said he doesn't think Liverpool will be better this year. It necessarily doesn't matter that Liverpool is better or worse. It also matters if other teams are better or worse. And like, for example, if I look at the Premier League for this upcoming season, I think that from last season, I think Man City will be worse. I think Chelsea, or I think Arsenal maybe will be a little worse just because I don't know if it's realistic they put up their, their scoreline. But I think, like, Man U will be better. Maybe Newcastle will be better. Brighton will be better. So, like, some of these other teams maybe will be better, and therefore you have less matchups. Like, the games that you really want to – the games that really matter and the really impactful games are, like, against bottom seven teams, like bottom third of the table teams. And those are the games that are the really impactful ones. And what you do against Chelsea – Alex Wilson says Chelsea will be worse. I'm not. I'm not convinced Chelsea is worse than 44 points. Uh, personally, that that is probably stretching it a bit, a bit far on Chelsea hate. But it, it's a situation where not necessarily Liverpool being better is that impactful if other teams are also better. And it really just depends how you beat up on minnows. Like if you beat up on minnows and you smash the lower end teams, it can be really helpful. Surprised you think Brighton's going to be better. No, I'm just giving examples. I don't necessarily think they'll be better. Oh. <laughs> we don't necessarily think like Arsenal will be worse or City will be worse, but I mean City probably will be worse. City, I think, has less depth. Kevin De Bruyne's out for a while. Like they probably will be a little worse, but it, they're they yeah. Sean, we got more minutes for uh Julian Alvarez. They'll be better. Well, true. Hundred point season. There you go. I don't know. Uh I forget what we were even talking about today. Does that mean we should be finished? Laird, Laird is still on vacation time, guys. Oh, Haber said uh, they're going to city will smash when they get Doku. God, I hope. I hope Doku smashes. It's the only thing I care about. He ripped. You see what he ripped in 99.9 this weekend, Laird? Yeah. I mean, no way he is better at city in season one than if he stays at rent. Yeah. I just. I have can well, no way. I have concerns. Percent that, not even at Ren, he was just going to play more. So it's just more of like if he plays at City, his minutes will be more impactful, most likely than Ren. But it, I, you, I don't think you're going to get near as many starts as you would have at Ren. Expecting any sort of meaningful minutes at Man City is just ignoring Pep Guardiola's entire tenure at that club. Well, I think there are some minutes for him to be had because I just do not think they have tons of right wing options. But I, like you said, meaningful minutes, like meaningful minutes would be, you know, he's going to start. How many meaningful games are you going to get from him? And that's, that's tricky. How about this? And it's a complete theoretical because of an injury, but with both players fit, who do you think would have played more this season? Doku at Man City or Arta Guler at Real Madrid? Guler. Definitely Euler. Okay. There's there's a lot more holes there, and they are much more willing to rotate some guys in. Who's more willing? Real Madrid would have been more willing to, to play Google. Oh, to play him. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think either of them would have played enough. The, the only uh, positive of is that you probably would have known when he was going to play. Yeah. And Goku, you just never. Would yes. Have. I would have had a better idea of when Guler was going to get playing time. Like, I would have had, I would have had, I I have a feeling that if Guler didn't get injured, I probably would have got 10 to 15 starts out of him, knowing quite a few of them. 
Yeah. yeah. In Doki, you just have, you likely have, yeah, three that you would know. Yeah. 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 Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I don't think I even thanked everyone for coming at the beginning because I'm, I'm rusty. It's a week off. I don't know what I'm doing. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Please uh, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Shout out to Quinny there, who I didn't see today. But uh, yeah, so schedule change for this week slightly. Limited time only is going to be tomorrow instead of Wednesday. And then we'll see what happens the rest of the week. But yeah, thanks for joining and we'll see you next week.